Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues on the fire ground to you firsthand from those involved. Uh, my name's Grant, I'll be your host today. And with me, I've got Isaiah Hepner. He's with Leduc Fire Department in Alberta, Canada. Uh, welcome, how you doing? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, thanks, Grant. I'm uh, I'm really good, man. Super excited to be here. I'm hooked on your podcast, so I'm uh, thrilled I can be part of it. I'm a pre- uh, appreciate it. It's all just people getting a hold of me and Nick and Justin and being willing to share the story. So uh, why don't you start out? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your department. Sure. So uh, I'm a firefighter paramedic in Alberta, Canada. I work for a small department uh, called the Duke Fire Department, two stations. Uh, it's about 33,000 people and we run 3,500 calls-ish a year. Um, we're integrated and combined service, so we run fire and EMS and we have a POC contingent as well. So there's a lot of moving parts, but uh, we do our best to make it work. What's POC contingent? Uh, sorry, uh, paid on call staff. Yeah, oh, so I got, got you. Call kind of, yeah. All right. What kind, what kind of staffing are you guys running? So we have two stations, uh, five-man stations. So we got three on the engine, two on the medic, and uh, and those ambulance staff are our ambulance in these kind of in this province is run by a provincial governing body. So we're contracted to them, and unfortunately, although we like to be as integrated as possible, that ambulance is at the uh, at the mercy of the provincial governing body. So a lot of the time they're unavailable. But um, we run three-man engines, and uh, on a structure fire response, we'll get two three-man engines. Um, you get a deputy chief to come and relieve command at some point. So you'll have uh, an active command for the first little bit on the ground. And, uh, and then you get your paid on call staff coming in. They'll usually run between two and four on a truck. Usually a structure fire, you'll get four. And they'll run in on a ladder and then a rescue for hands after that. What's the time delay that you're running, you know, just those, those two engines initially? Yeah, so it kind of depends, I guess, the area of the city, right? But usually uh, the, your full-time engines are there within, you know, a minute of each other, two minutes of each other. Uh, it's not too big of a spread across the city. Um, and then your, your paid-on-call staff are anywhere, you know, five to ten, depending kind of on uh, whether it's a long weekend or not, that sort of thing. But for a structure fire, we got a pretty good solid crew of, uh, of people that will be there within five. So how do you guys run uh, when you arrive on scene? Who's doing what? Do you have like a pre-incident arrival with that short of staff? I'm sure it's kind of just uh, do what you can until everybody else gets there or what? Yeah, that's right. You know, it ha- there's a lot to do and not many people to do it. So you got your, uh, your captain, we run blue card. Um, so kind of the initial ready report, that kind of thing rolls uh, the way that blue card uh, rolls. And so we'll have uh, the officers usually doing a 360. Uh, in this case, it was a little bit different with the layout of the house, but um, you just get a pump operator and a firefighter. So you're just kind of doing your best. Your pump up will, sometimes if you're doing a forward lay, the, you'll, you know, just, uh, we use a snub loop on the, on the hydrant. Um, so your first in truck will snub the hydrant. It's just, um, leaving your hydrant kit and your, your five inch at the, at the plug and then pull in and your next crew will make your hydrant. It kind of just runs house to house, but, um, there is, you're right. There's a lot to do for the first three people. Um, and that's why it's really nice when we have the medic available you can get two more people that are, that are qualified uh, to kind of help with that operational stuff. Our fire chief has been uh, pretty adamant that, that we are in a seamless integrated service. So our, our ambulance staff are able to do exterior operations. Um, and so they can help hitting a hydrant or, you know, pulling a, pulling a pre-connect, that kind of thing. Um, so you can get extra hands there if available, but sometimes your medical backup is, is from another town um, being provincially ran that, that has no medical or no fire training, I should say. So it, uh, it's pretty dynamic. So talk to us about your search culture in Leduc. 
Sure. So it's, it's uh, pretty crew dependent, uh, pretty training dependent and kind of their confidence, but a lot of the time it'll be searching off a hand line, right. Um, with that short of staff, it's kind of hard to, to commit uh, people to search and, and people to, to fire attack. So we'll do like a search rescue fire attack sort of uh, blue card scenario. And, uh, and they'll usually be an orientated search, searching off a hand line. Um, if you get a crew that's pretty confident and maybe you have an officer, you're really going in with two, right? So you get an officer at the door, you might get your firefighter in to do a quick search of a room and carry on. Um, but it's all going to be off a hand line. Cool. Can you talk to us a little bit about the training uh, available up in, up in your area? Uh, yeah, you know, I think um, there, there is a lot of resources available. Um, it's, uh, there isn't quite, you know, a lot of the time these guys are, uh, all the time, almost exclusively guys are traveling into the States to, you know, FDIC, that sort of thing. We don't really have a whole lot of fire conference uh, in Canada. Um, and then I guess with, you know, the, the last year, the way it's run with travel, it's been kind of difficult to make all that happen. And I mean, even to host the conferences, I'm sure on, on the American end of things, but um, we have, you know, some shared in Leduc being a smaller department, we don't have our own training yard. Um, so we kind of have a small volunteer department to the North that we'll, we'll share a training yard with. Um, you just kind of do the best with what you got. A lot of it's in-house training. Cool. Why don't you take us back to May 7th, 2021. And let's talk about the call you had. Sure. So uh, I was I was actually uh, on the on the ambulance that day. Um, anyone who uh, works the ambulance knows that your standard day is pretty busy. So we it was about five thirty in the morning on May seventh. Uh, We've been running pretty well, you know, twenty two and a half hours straight, and uh, and we got a call up for a structure. So my my partner and I were able to get out of the get out of the barn before the engine because we weren't turning out. So we do carry turnouts on the ambulance, um, no SCBA, and then we just have a fire extinguisher. Um, so we got out first and we got to this residence. It was only a couple blocks from the station. Um, and it was a, uh, it was a small single family, two stories, about 2,500 square feet. Um, had a three car attached garage, no cars in the driveway. Um, and it looked like a working fire, an exterior kind of veranda sort of entranceway fire that was, that was fairly involved by the time we arrived. Um, there was only one person outside and, uh, and he ended up being the caller. So I kind of, we, you know, staged our ambulance a couple doors down in a driveway and I uh, ran up to him and kind of asked what he knew. And he didn't know much. I guess he was just, you know, walking around the neighborhood at 530 in the morning on a Friday, like, like one does, um, and didn't have much information for us as, as far. He had no idea kind of who lived there or anything. So, uh, we weren't able to go up to the front door because, you know, the whole entranceway was engulfed. And, and so we went to the neighbor's place. I started pounding on neighbor's doors, trying to wake people up. All the houses here run vinyl siding. Um, and if you're familiar with that at all, you know how, how it doesn't stand up too well against fire. So it was already starting to melt and, and uh, it wasn't an overly windy day, but fire spreads pretty quick with the vinyl siding. So it was kind of waking up neighbors and no one was home. It was a weird morning. It was uh, kind of a ghost town for, for a Friday morning. But um, at that point, banging on neighbors' doors, the, uh, the first two engines showed up. Uh, so I was able to make the hydrant connection for them. I got their water supply. Um, my partner grabbed uh, one of their pre-connects. We went 200 foot with a fog nozzle. So he went, uh, he pulled that out for him. And, the, and so the officer got out, started doing his IRR and the back step got out and just masked up and started going to work on this fire. So at this point it had started pushing into the, uh, the garage attic, the attached garage attic. Uh, and it was growing pretty quick. So um, started bringing tools to the door, rip pack, that kind of thing. Our second in engine arrived. Um, they masked up and, and, uh, we're prepared to go in and start doing a search of the, of the structure because we'd kind of had the exterior side. The boys had done a good job of knocking down the exterior part of the fire. Um, and I took a step back and kind of just looked around the way that the, the fence was ran. It was interesting on the, on the Bravo side of the structure, the fence was, you know, eight feet tall, opaque, and it went right to the side of the house. 
Um, on, the broad, on the delta side of the structure uh, was the gate, but the delta side was where the front door was. And, and so you're like, the, you know, with the fire, the way that it was growing, there was no way to get around it. So the 360 wasn't done. Um, so I took a step back and I looked around that, uh, that Bravo side of the structure and I saw somebody. So second story um, basement, or sorry, second story uh, bedroom window. Um, and he was, you know, his head out the window trying to breathe and it looked like a pretty turbulent bi-directional flow. Um, and, you know, Grant, like we say, a, you know, a garbage man shouldn't be surprised when he turns the corner and sees garbage. But honestly, these kind of things don't happen too often around here. So you kind of take, you know, a tenth of a second to realize what's going on. And then and me and my partner saw it at the same time, kind of locked eyes with command. He gave us the, you know, the nod and we were at the back of the truck. So we grabbed a, a 24 foot extension off the back of the truck. Um, I... Uh, uh, we kind of each each grabbed a rung and we low shoulder carried it and we just kind of flew across the fire ground. Um, it all happened really quick and we came around the back side, the Charlie side of the house. Um, when we came around the Charlie side of the house, we saw that there was another guy. So there was another guy that was on the roof. He had climbed out of his window. He'd been pushed out by smoke and climbed out of his window. And so he's standing on the roof and he's waving his arms, you know, and, and uh, you know, you wouldn't think you'd have to do triage on fire rescue victims, but um, it's just a quick conversation. Like, you know what, your buddy's actually in a worse position than you, believe it or not. So we're going to go get him. And so we continued around to the Bravo side, had to go a long way around the house. Right. And uh, you know, I've been, I've been practicing. There's um, a way I like to throw extension ladders where you kind of do a ladder flip up to a high carry and then it's a beam raise. And then you just grab a rung on the fly and lift that. So you're not messing around with the rope with the halyard and it works pretty good. Um, probably like, you know, hundreds of times, man, like, I've tried, done my best to uh, stay pretty consistent every truck check, throwing a ladder at least once that way and just kind of building the muscle memory. And um, so at this point, 22 and a half hours into a shift, you don't have to think about it. So my, my partner kind of dropped the ladder off to me. I flipped it up to high carry and, and did this, this uh, ladder throw. We call it a painter's toss. I'm not really sure why. That's just kind of the name that, uh, that came with it. But um, worked amazing. Went right up to the bottom sill, climbed up. And this guy, at this point, he was starting to tire out. Um, the, the fire had extended into the garage attic and it was pushing some pretty heavy smoke at us. So I'm trying to make quick work of it. I, I kind of half pulled him out of the window. Uh, his feet got a little caught up and he was able, but he was able to turn around and slowly climb down on his own. Um, so we got him to the ground and I bet at the ladder, ran around the Charlie side through it again and, uh, and picked off his, his buddy off the roof. But it was interesting because at that point, my officer had come around the backside of the house and, uh, and he had asked that, that victim, he said, Hey, do you have, is there anyone else in the house? And the guy actually said, no. Um, even though, you know, his buddy was just around the corner. So it was, it was kind of interesting. Just proof that you really need to figure it out for yourself. You know, you can't really trust anyone in that much of a sympathetic response. It's uh, hard to care about anybody but yourself, I guess. So, um, so picked him off the roof and then I just took him back to the ambulance. At that point, they had started cutting holes into the roof and were, were putting out the attic and, uh, and I just treated them. They were, we assessed and treated them for like a mild, moderate smoke inhalation. They actually weren't transported. Uh, they, they, uh, refused any transport, but, um, yeah, and that was pretty much the end of the majority of the excitement. I mean, uh, an abnormal call for sure on the ambulance. I know it's not the, the textbook zero visibility, go in and, you know, pull someone out of a bedroom kind of thing. Um, but it, uh, I feel like it was on its way there, you know, if you know, a lot of what ifs, but you know, what if you hadn't had a random guy walking around the neighborhood at five 30 in the morning, that fire would have spread pretty quick. Um, these guys were woken up by smoke detectors apparently and that's that's what pushed him out but the fire was rolling into the garage attic and this guy who we put who i uh grabbed out of the window was in the bonus room above the garage so it wouldn't have taken very long i think to be threatening him pretty heavy but yeah nice uh talk to us a little bit about uh what were conditions in that room as you made it up to the, that first victim yeah, so it was pretty pretty heavy bidirectional flow. Um, the the smoke layer, I guess, was only a couple feet off the roof, 
Um, but it was pushing out the window or off the ceiling, I should say, but it was pushing out the window pretty hard. Um, he had maybe the, the bottom half to a third of the window that was actually smoke free. And then, you know, if he popped his head up at all, he was kind of right into the thick of it. The way the wind was blowing, the smoke was coming out of the attic as well. Um, and that bi-directional flow is actually pulling smoke in from the exterior fire. Um, so he was, he was getting hit pretty hard by it, but, uh, no, like no heat, I guess the, the fire was technically on the other side of the structure, the kind of opposite corner. So as we came up, there was no heat in the room, but the smoke layer was definitely dropping. So let's, what if you had no, so you guys were coming off the ambulance. So no, so you had fire gear, no fire gear. No, so no fire gear. So I was wearing my, uh, my medic uniform. Yeah. So think about the dude, if he'd, he'd succumb to the, to the smoke, right? And maybe he drops at the window. Maybe he goes back inside because people mm -hmm. do stupid crap when they start in, inhaling smoke. Um, did you think about that at all on the way up? You know, not what really. this guy disappears, were you able to communicate to anybody to say, hey, I'm making a rescue? You, you mentioned command, saw you, gave you the thumbs up. So he was yeah. kind of aware. He gave us the, yeah, he gave us the go ahead initially. Um, we, uh, yeah, you know, climbing up the ladder that honestly didn't even cross my mind, man. Um, I, uh, the guy had his whole body. He was pretty much leaning out the window at this point. So I was hoping that if he did crump that at least he'd be hanging in the window and I could grab him. But honestly, and one of the guys kind of chatted with me, uh, from the city <laughs> about that, um, as far as, you know, a WCB perspective and you know, what, what would have been the case, you know, if he had dropped in the window, I said, I don't know, man, I, I would have got him out. You know, but it, uh, it, it's, a, it's a fair point. It's a fair point, and it all happened really fast. And unfortunately, when you only have, you know, six people on scene, one's, a, one's an active officer that's moving around trying doing a million other things, and two of them are pump operators. You know, you, got, you pretty much got two guys to do the work with, and, uh, and we're just lucky that morning that we had our ambulance was available because, you know, like I said, it could be from anywhere in the province, really. And, uh, and there's very few integrated services out here that are fire and EMS combined. And... Even if you got a different one, you know, the, the, the chance of a, of a neighboring integrated service coming in, grabbing your ladder and do, performing a rescue were probably pretty slim. So it just, the stars kind of lined up, I guess, that morning. Have you guys trained on uh, assisting victims down under their own power, either before or after this? You know, it's interesting. Um, yeah, because this actually, it, a lot more training came out of the, the style of ladder throw that, was, that I was able to use for this. Um, we've definitely done a lot more training on that. Because he, uh, you know, initially in recruit class, you go through like, you know, one hand under the arm and hand in between the legs kind of thing for an unconscious victim. But uh, not a whole lot of work, not a whole lot of training on bringing someone down that can climb down on their own. So I just kind of, I didn't, you know, have my arms around him like the textbook says. I just, just a couple rungs below him and kind of had a hand on him and just trusted he was going to be able to work. He was, you know, a 40-year-old guy. So I was kind of hoping he'd be able to climb a ladder down. But uh, yeah, it could have gone either way too, I suppose. Nice. You know, I think the one takeaway that I really get out of this story is the practicing of the ladders that you've done on the front end. And it's the same thing with stretching hose. We don't practice those things to look like all-stars. We practice those things so that we can free up our mind for all the other crap, all the other unknowns on a fire ground. And had you not practiced that, I mean, I know even the way you described it, there wasn't any thought to it. How am I going to throw this ladder or can yeah. I do it? It was just execute and that whole time your mind's thinking, all right, which guy am I going to first? And, and that's real cool. Uh, so, you know, yeah, know. well, exactly. Sorry. I, you know, I, I totally agree, Grant. And I think, you know, if 22 and a half hours into your ambulance shift, you think you're going to throw your best ladder, you're outside your mind, right? Like if you haven't done it a thousand times, it's already too late. 
Um, and so I just was, you know, in, even beside the physical reps, the mental reps, like I've gone over that a thousand times in my head, you know? And, and so, um, it, uh, it just worked out. It worked out perfect. That's exactly the scenario that we trained it for. And, uh, and it worked, you know, just how about that? <laughs> and that's cool. Uh, you're a fire nerd. I can tell. Um, and probably most of the dudes that are listening to this podcast are fire nerds, but you know, think about, uh, do it. I know we do those skills a lot of time in isolation, but think about doing a shift workout and then break out some of those skills afterwards, just so you see how you can perform under fatigue. Cause you know, ladders is one of those where you get a little bit of tired and uh, it can make you look stupid pretty quick. Absolutely. I actually follow um, fit to fight fire pretty close. And, uh, and I try and do all their challenges. The one the other day masking up and hitting 30 cows on the bike in under a minute, that kind of thing. I just love that stuff. So it's been, uh, yeah, I, I hear you, man. We, we try and integrate that. We'll do, like um, simulate a rescue and you got to do 50, you know, well, 50 cows, I guess would be a bit aggressive, but you know, 10 or 15 on the bike and then uh, on the echo bike and then have to go up and perform the rescue. And you're right. It totally changes the game, changes everything. So you guys have um, workout stuff at your station? We do. Yeah. You know what? We're actually really well equipped. Um, so we got uh, both, both gyms have, uh, have great equipment. We got um, assault bikes in both gyms and, you know, more weights than we know what to do with. So, we're pretty lucky that way. Yeah. So yeah. I know this goes a little bit off, but you know, we're going freestyle anyway, but talk to mm-hmm. us a little bit about um, what having that equipment, what specifically what equipment you guys have and what kind of training you guys do to integrate uh, so that we're prepared. Yeah. You know, I think, honestly, I think bringing in that assault bike was the best thing that this department's ever done. Like there isn't an equalizer. There isn't more of an equalizer in any gym, in my opinion, that implement really, really brings people to the same level because it doesn't matter how fit you are. It's, it's going to, it's going to beat you up pretty bad. Um, and then everyone's all of a sudden on an even playing ground and it's all about, are you comfortable being uncomfortable and, and continuing to perform? Can you still continue to perform? Right. And so, um, we'll run different, you know, training drills where we'll have, uh, you know, you do 20 cows on the bike and then you got a, a down firefighter and you'll mess up his mask and you do the writ, you know, the writ with the SCBA conversion, all that kind of stuff. And, um, we'll run training like that quite often. Uh, lots of sandbag workouts. I mean, it's been kind of hard through COVID. The, um, the departments took a pretty hard stance here of, of uh, group workouts were kind of kiboshed. So you had, you know, an hour to yourself in the gym sort of thing. So I'm actually really looking forward to getting back into the, the group workouts where you can kind of set up stations and, you know, whether you're doing intervals or, or whatever you're doing and, and all that kind of aggressive, more uh, physically demanding training as a group, I think, and when you're not worried about distancing and all that stuff, it, uh, it'll be really good to get back into it. But yeah, lots of, uh, lots of functional movements, most of them done to like an anaerobic interval sort of capacity. Um, and uh, luckily, I, I'm on a crew that enjoys doing that stuff. Because that's oh. the other thing. I mean, being on yeah, the fire. Yeah, the, the, doing it by yourself is, is all right. But uh, doing it with a crew makes everything much better. Yeah. How, much of, how much of that working out stuff are you able to do in gear on air? Or is that frowned upon with your, in your department? Or uh, Yeah, so, I mean, I would say... 95% of it was in gear on air initially, um, COVID hit and we actually, uh, were pulled off air, um, because your exhalation valve doesn't have a filter kind of thing. It, it's a long story. It wasn't, uh, obviously the, anyway, um, so we weren't, we, we were able, you know, you could have packs on, but you got to keep distance, that, that kind of thing. But before that, everything was on air. Um, anything you could do, uh, ideally you'd be throwing a pack on and burning a bottle down and, you know, every, every morning at six in the morning, a couple of us would get up and, and, uh, and hit the tower and you just, just flights, flights of stairs to the bottom ran out and just try and do one more flight than the day before kind of thing. Um, and not only does it get you comfortable running out of air, but that last, you know, hundred PSI, or even when you're, when you're 
heads up is reading zero, uh, you got quite a bit of air left. And so it's kind of nice to, to understand the full capacity of the bottle and the full capacity of yourself to perform with it. Um, so that, you know, God forbid the time comes when you're on that last hundred PSI, you know, that you're, you're, you know, you still got time, no panic. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap stuff up? No, I just wanted to thank you, man. I, I am hooked, like I said, I'm hooked on this podcast. I, uh, I listen to it all the time. I think it's great. You know, even the mental reps and, and the, uh, the training modalities I've been able to come up with based on, you know, hardships guys had performing rescues, that kind of thing. There's a lot of eye-opening stuff that, uh, that up here, I haven't really had the experience to, to work with yet. So, um, really appreciate it, man. I, uh, yeah, everyone keep training hard. Cool. If anybody wants to get a hold of you to find out what you guys are doing, uh, with your workout equipment at the station, uh, training drills that you're doing or anything, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah. So I, um, I started my career with the Leduc fire department. I actually moved to the Airdrie fire department two years ago and stayed on as a casual medic with Leduc fire. Um, so a bit of a different department, but they, they, so that's where we've done the most of our workouts, but I'd love to chat with people about it. Um, Facebook would be fine. Isaiah Hefner. Uh, it's a bit of a weird spelling, but, um, uh, that's kind of all I got going right now. Uh, guys do phone numbers. <laughs> yeah. If you want, you can give it to me afterwards and we can include yeah. it in show notes or something like that. So, so yeah. guys got it, but, uh, That'd be great. all right. Uh, so we're going to wrap up for today. Um, but if you, uh, if you make a grab, assist or uh, live or deceased, please go to www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com. Take that short survey. The information is for us, by us, and updated real time. If you want to share your grab story on our podcast, reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe, Nick Ledeen, or Justin McWilliams. And until next time, thanks for listening.